0: Expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. Any discussion on cross-straight relations inevitably touches on some pretty sensitive subjects and it can be difficult to make the conversations constructive. Straight Talk is a student-run nonprofit that takes on that challenge by holding an annual week-long symposium and inviting student delegates from China, Taiwan, and the United States to hold moderated talks on cross-strait issues. During the week of talks, the delegates receive training in conflict resolution techniques and work to produce a consensus document of concrete proposals to move toward a peaceful resolution of the conflict. There's now straight-talk groups in the U.S., Hong Kong, and Taiwan – Last week, the Straight Talk group at the University of California, Berkeley, wrapped up its event, and today on the show, we'll be joined by the moderator of the Berkeley Talks and some of the delegates. For the record, I'm a former member of Straight Talk Berkeley, although I had no involvement with the current year's symposium. Joining us now is the moderator of this year's talks, Tatsushi Arai. He's an associate professor of peacebuilding and conflict transformation at the School for International Training Graduate Institute. Tatsushi, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: us. Uh, so to start things off, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about what kind of resolution Straight Talk is hoping to build towards uh, in the cross-strait conflict. Uh,
1: thank you very much once again. Uh, we view we as Straight Talk delegates and members view a conflict resolution across the strait as well as conflict resolution in general as a sustained process of bringing individuals from societies divided by conflict together for the purpose of exploring the root causes of the conflict together and arriving at resolution options and then build relationships among those people who are brought together. Uh, So the way we define a larger vision of the resolution does imply the way we do straight talk in a sense of attracting what we see as promising young uh, delegates and then uh, provide a safe and welcoming space in which they can share their views, their deepest of identities and visions for the future. But most importantly, uh, our resolution consists of building sustainable relationships with the hope that some of them would eventually move up uh, into the positions that will have direct influence on cross-strait relations.
0: Does Straight Talk have any particular vision of a resolution that it would like to see between China and Taiwan?
1: The short answer is no. No in a, sense of, in a sense that the Straight Talk as an initiative does not envision a specific outcome in terms of the possible political resolution. However, Straight Talk has a very clear vision of the process and the relationship building that we aspire to promote. At the heart of the process and the relationship that we want to promote is the commitment to creating a uh, welcoming, open social space uh, where delegates from a different size of the Taiwan Strait are able to get together and humanize each other's presence and explore the depth of their identities, put themselves in the shoes of other people, And although what we do is going to be on a very small scale of relationship building, what we hope to do is that the cumulative nature of the years of straight-talk experience will culminate into presenting a model to the societies on both sides, such that other entities, up to governing authorities, can replicate the kind of dialogue we do. So that's our aspiration.
0: So why is this face-to-face dialogue that uh, Straight Talk supports uh, important for the kind of conflict resolution that you are hoping to see?
1: This method that we use, which is called Interactive Conflict Resolution, ICR, uh, consists of the process which I just dis- described. And this has been a proven method since 1960s, when a uh, former uh, Australian diplomat, his name is John Burton, brought together delegates from Indonesia Malaysia and other countries to resolve a conflict between those nations and then those informal dialogues have proven to be very effective to the point of actually shaping shaping a peace agreement the former governments signed. Since then there has been a long-term movement of realizing uh, interactive conflict resolution dialogues in Cyprus, Israel, Palestine and many other places throughout the world. In East Asia, this has not been tried so fully. So Straight Talk is perhaps the only organization, the initiative that tries to bring this to the heart of cross-strait relations. And so based on our empirical and then conceptual understanding of what in the interactive conflict resolution has achieved, Straight Talk is confident that in the long run, this will make a strong impact for the future of the cross-strait relations.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the kind of dialogue that the students are engaging in? What, in your mind, would be a successful talk between the delegates?
1: Mm. I would emphasize three elements. Number one is the relationship building, trust building. Number two, as I mentioned earlier, is joint analysis of the problem. In particular, we take the view of basic humanities analysis, which basically suggests that At the core of any conflict, there are irreducible basic human needs, essentials without which human beings and societies cannot survive. So aggression in the form of violent conflict is a manifestation of frustrated needs. And the solution is to find a way to meet those needs with creativity, empathy, and nonviolence. So that leads us to the third component, and that is to find a framework and a means by which to meet those needs. And that's what exactly our, our delegates uh, aspire to do.
0: Is a goal of these talks to change people's beliefs or, or, or change what they think about cross-strait relations?
1: I would see that the goal of the process is to create a social process in which the delegates themselves choose to, choose to see the way they see things. Nobody can force identity change, and certainly I cannot. But having seen many of those dialogues, having facilitated those dialogues, I am very familiar to say that there are processes in which they choose to change their perspectives. And that is an environment in which they can ask questions to each other openly, and they have the assurances that sharing personal stories, the depth of identity is okay. And at the core of it is the value of dialogue over debate. And debate is a process where you assert your position and try to win in the argument, defeat the other side. Dialogue is a process where we do wholehearted speaking and wholehearted listening, and when and if appropriate, we choose to change our mind. And that is seen as a sign of strength, not weakness.
0: Now, switching gears a bit, we're joined by some of the delegates who participated in the symposium. First up is the mainland China delegate, Sally Liu. She's a senior at Beijing Foreign Studies University studying international relations and diplomacy and English literature. And from Taiwan, we have Ping Xuan Huang. She's a senior at National Taiwan University studying political science. And from the U.S. delegation, we're joined by Tammy Tien. She's a sophomore studying journalism at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Thank you all so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: So I want to start by asking you all what you feel like is the most important thing you got out of the talks. Uh, let's start with the Taiwanese delegate, Ping Xuan.
3: I think the most important things I got from this week is the experience of interacting with Chinese delegate and U.S. delegate. Because before, when I uh, talk or uh, interact with friends from China, we don't really talk about political issues because we already assume that we have very different ideologies. So we try to avoid this issue. So no one really talk about it. It is something kind of like, like a taboo we're trying to avoid. But during the past week, we actually like faced this problem directly, but in a very rational and humane way. We try to understand what each of us want, what can satisfy them, what they need.
0: So did you feel like you didn't really understand the Chinese side before this started?
3: I've never been to China before and so my knowledge about China is all from either media or from friends who has been there. But from by directly interacting with them I clarify lots of misunderstanding and myth about them. For example, at first I thought like in China people have limited freedom. But however, during my interaction with my friends, I found that actually they do enjoy lots of freedom, and also they have different view on how a democracy should work. So through this kind of conversation, I recognize their unique uniqueness. Instead of just believe what the media said and what people's biased ideas. Before, I used to generalize them a lot. I kind of see a China and people might have the same way of thinking, which is very silly. So I can right now, I try to listen to the individual because I know that even in, within China, there's a diversity. Each people on the topic can have very, very different opinions. So this kind of conversation I had with my friends let me know that I should Instead of just generalizing them, instead, I should care more about what they really think.
0: All right. Now, moving on to the U.S. delegate, Tammy Tien. Go ahead.
2: I think a lot of the conflicts that we see today, they're kind of static because we try to use old methods that may not pertain to contemporary times. We're not adjusting very properly to how the world is changing. And I think I think it's the youth's role or job to um, shape the future that they want. It, it's definitely possible, and I think having this um, symposium can actually um, devise, I don't know, solutions that are actually, can be agree, agreeable uh, and accepted to society that we are a part of. Yeah. And, and I think the most important thing that I got was opportunity to meet other people who have um, this vision that they want to work towards and have like a network that
4: I can rely on in the future.
0: And Chinese delegate Sally Liu.
4: For me, that the most important thing I've learned in this symposium is to build trust. For During this week-long symposium, I talked to many delegates, not only the delegates from Taiwan, but the delegates from U.S., the common thing that I feel from them is that the mainland China and Taiwan and China and U.S. is lack of trust. And I see that how important the trust needs to be built in our generation and the next generation. And I can see that because of lack of trust, we cannot push forward or uh, have the real improvement between the two parts or uh, the trilateral way. So I think that in this symposium by the methods uh, experiment that we, we did, it's actually a very good way to build trust between us. And I think the very reason that I kind of changed my mind towards the cross-strait relations is because I trust my Taiwanese friends and my U.S. friends. If you do not trust them, there is nothing to do with the consensus. Even though we can write consensus on face that we can agree with everything we write, but deeply inside our mind, uh, we think that this consensus is nothing to me. If really uh, we had the symposium like this, I think it will be a total failure. So, I think that what I learned from the symposium is how important to build trust with each other.
0: Can you talk about any beliefs that have changed for you over the last week? Uh, Pin
3: Before I came here, there was the sunflower movement, which made me feel like the cross-strait relation. I took a more pessimistic attitude about the cross-strait relations because I heard lots of criticism from my friends, the media. Against the government, either in Taiwanese government or Chinese government, and I also saw that fear in people of that what it, what will happen in the future, lots of uncertainty and many negative emotions so I, before I came, I was very pessimistic, but also I kind of looking forward for this symposium, I wanted to see what will happen after this symposium and then after our like discussion and dialogue, I now have a much more positive attitude about cross trade relations because I learned that there are lots of ways to solve a problem. There's always some ways. It is just whether we have found out the ways or not.
0: And Tammy?
2: Well, from my background, uh, we're always taught China, the people of China, they're really influenced by the government through propaganda, and they don't know how to think for themselves or, like, they have really biased perspectives because of the way they're brought up. But I think in talking with the delegates from China, they're aware of what their government are doing. And whether or not they follow it, there's, like, this unspoken acknowledgement that, for better or for worse, they don't want to ruin the stability because they're afraid of what might come out of the instability of what's in place right now.
0: And Sally, I understand that you were quite moved by one of the activities in which each delegate was asked to put down the nine events that they thought were the most important in the history of cross-strait relations. What do you feel like you got out of this activity?
4: Actually, after we picked up the nine important events that are really important to the cross-grid relations. Tets and the other two coordinators, they actually put the events together according to the sequence of time. And you can see very visualized way of seeing the difference among our three sides. I think that there's no events that we three picked together. Oh, there's yeah. no, yeah. yeah, and there's there's no common events that from our three sides actually think that is really important to the cross three relations. So you, from this walking through history, you, you directly feel that from the dis- different perspectives of different people, this issue means different meanings to them. So from this game, I really learn that the way that people learned back at home or the identity deep inside their themse- themselves or the environment or the, sit- the surroundings around them have really deep influence on them, on their ideas and on their opinions. Uh, and by by using this kind of experiment it can really let you know the differences and the reasons why conflicts or at least disagreements on one issue comes out.
0: All right, and uh, like I mentioned, the whole symposium is working toward creating a consensus document of concrete steps that could be taken to progress cross-strait relations. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of putting that together? Pinchuan, go ahead.
3: So this the process, process is definitely very important because it is through our the process of discussing that we find how like even one single word, or, uh, one single term or phrase. Delegates from China and from Taiwan, we have very different opinion about which word, exact word, we should use. So because everyone like they can know different meaning for us. So. We spend lots of time debating what phrase we should take, uh, adopt. So this is it is through this process that I realized that we have very different thinking in some ways. For example, uh, the word that doesn't. When I read through the paragraph, it totally makes sense for me. But then there will always be someone who will raise their hand and say, oh, they don't agree with this. They think it might apply something. And then it was that moment that I realized, oh, I didn't notice that this word can mean so much for them. And they have very different opinion on
2: these things than mine.
0: And uh, Tammy, what about you? What did you take away from that process?
2: the most surprising thing to me was um, how everyone agreed to pass such um, ambitious visions. Um, We had a proposal to, um, it was sort of around the guidelines of forming a commonwealth between China and Taiwan, and I thought that was a really ambitious proposal. But the fact that we agreed upon it from delegates in both Taiwan and China means that they're both willing to accept a future like that.
0: So let's bring back in uh, the moderator, Tatsushi. Could you give us an overview of some of the items contained in the document?
1: Mm. As to the question of identity, ideas included relatively accessible resolutions such as having a cross-strait joint food festival. Uh, on a rotating basis with respect to the locations where those festivals take place, to give both diverse and shared expressions of deep culture that's inherited in the form of food. There was also a suggestion about a uh, media outlet that transcends the, the divide between the two sides, aspire to create sort of multi angled analysis and objectivity in a way that a trustworthy coverage of social issues would reduce prejudices and build confidence. And as to the uh, political uh, agreement, there were suggestions about long-term aspirational visions, accepting that uh, neither side would accept any easy compromise on the political structure, uh, that both sides have the long-term vision of seeking some sort of a commonwealth-like arrangement in a very loosely connected way of, of both sides of the strait getting together with a due attention to the sensitivity of fiscal security arrangements. But if and when that kind of loose arrangement is possible, uh, with the premise that there is non-aggression pact, to guarantee the security across the Taiwan Strait, both sides thought it would be okay to start discussing the possibility of a federal arrangement as well. But all of this with a caution, all of this with the, with the premise that the trust is built sufficiently over the decades. And I think in that discussion, I heard the voices of identity asserting that uh, let us own our own Asian heritage. But beyond that, I think the basic point of the Commonwealth is not so much of the structural characteristics that they assert. It is more about the shared, generous aspiration that the two sides working together, living together, is possible, with some common characteristics as economic distinctness and the cultural identities to be kept intact. And finally, in terms of the United States uh, involvement in cross trade relations and the two sides view of relationship building with the United States, uh, there were discussions made about the importance of special economic uh, zones and uh, various arrangements to enhance economic interdependence in such a way as to be consistent with the kind of political arrangements I made.
0: I want to ask the Taiwanese delegate, Ping Suan Huang, what did you think about the proposal to form a commonwealth? Did you have any reservations as it was being discussed?
3: Uh, when people proposed this idea, we assumed that it is something that uh, will happen in not in near future. So for me, I'm not uncomfortable with this idea because we reached some uh, consensus that the commonwealth will only take place when the both sides already gone through many discussions and they already have some consensus, so the Commonwealth doesn't will not uh, sacrifice the identity and uniqueness of Taiwan. So with this these kind of a precondition, I'm I don't feel uncomfortable about this idea.
0: Going back to you, Tatsushi. Uh, so the group was founded in 2005, and obviously a lot has changed in cross-strait relations during that time. Has the range of topics that the delegates are willing to take on in the consensus document also changed during that time? Are, are, are they willing to take on more topics than they were in 2005?
1: Now, the shift that has happened over the last nine years since 2005 has been very dramatic. Just to give you a context of how we delve into discussion in 2005, the 2005 delegates were unable to incorporate in their consensus document terms such as politics and security. There was clearly a tension in the aftermath of uh, the Chinese government passing the anti-secession law, which in effect communicated clearly to Taiwan that Uh, any move toward formal independent status will be met by force. And it is under those circumstances that the delegates from Taiwan, China, and the United States had a very emotional expression to each other. So, the content of the consensus was very conservative, uh, but the emotional expressions were very real. Now, I think the turning point was the election of uh, Ma Injo in Taiwan, where the direct flights became possible. twice started visiting each other, and then eventually economic framework, you know, ECFA was signed. In a way, responding to those macro trends, uh, the delegates who came to uh, straight talk dialogues became in a sense more audacious. The discussion about larger political frameworks from confederal arrangement to federal arrangements emerged maybe around 2009. And by 2010 and 2011, it was completely okay for the delegates to explore very audacious futures in a way their predecessors were never able to verbalize or imagine. So the shift has been very real. But at the same time, what remains very consistent over those nine years of my observing and facilitating dialogues is the real depth of identities. Regardless of the, the the passage of time over the past decades, regardless of the fact that the delegates are in the third or fourth generation people since the de facto end of the Chinese Civil War, there are moments when the eyes are tinged with tears. There are moments when the storytelling would turn to a real moments of confession about how the delegates relate to their grandparents memory of the Chinese Civil War and so I think you know the younger people have inherited uh, those historical legacies and that will make Straight Talk a very special opportunity for them to forge bonding you know, you know the, the ties of relationship.
0: Alright and uh, last up I want to ask all of you since uh, a goal of Straight Talk is to build a network of alumni who care about cross-strait issues. I'm curious, how do all of you expect to apply the experiences you've had in the last week uh, later in life? Tammy?
2: So, I guess another, one of our proposals, it was about creating a multi partisan media outlet. I think that I want to create, try to start one on my own.
0: Uh, That's right, you're a journalism major, right?
2: Yes. (laughs) Um, Knowing that, student representatives from both Taiwan and the mainland, as well as the U.S., agree that all three of our respective homes lack a reliable source of information. I think that is a promising possible future to explore.
0: So you want to start a media organization to fill that gap in information.
2: Right, but not just information, but information conveyed in a way to really try to understand a complete story. Um, delve into the reason why actions have taken place.
0: And uh, Pin Suan, what about you?
3: For my life, I will try to initiate more dialogue. For example, when I talk to my friends who is very interested about this issue, I'll try to remind them that remind them to think from the people pin people in China, China their what their perspectives are. Because I feel like in Taiwan or at least uh, in my interaction with my friends, I feel like people are kind of partial. We are always thinking what what we want and what we don't want from China. But we never thought about what people in China might think. Even some students, there are lots of opportunities for them to actually go to China. But the conversation carried out between Taiwanese and people in China are not deep enough. So I'll try to... Uh, made the com- conversation go deeper to make people think about this issue from a deeper perspective.
0: And Sally?
4: I think it ha- ha- has some effect on my future occupation choice. For my major is international relations, and I'm really interested in studying issues related to politics. And I think that maybe in the future, I'm going to have some intention to do something that's much related to the conflict resolution and maybe things like that, and work for the NGOs or maybe even go to the UN to solve the conflicts that happens in the least developed countries.
0: And to wrap things up, Tetsushi, you've actually been helping to facilitate these events since 2005. This was your 15th symposium that you've moderated. I I think this gives you a pretty interesting perspective on the developments of cross-strait relations. What can you tell us about what you've observed over that time?
1: uh, Over the years, as I facilitate these discussions, uh, there are always very uh, ambitious ideas in the consensus document. And the ideas that never made their way into the consensus documents expressed. Such thing as the Commonwealth, Federation and Confederation and the moment the delegates say "Oh, we have aspirational visions of the Commonwealth and the Federation, and then they attach a uh, uh, just a comment to say, but it, they may not happen but now what I want to tell you actually is that over the years it has become a commonplace that the delegates going through uh, 40 hours of discussion almost always arrive at federation, confederation, and they say exactly the same thing. Oh, they may never happen. But the fact of the matter is that those delegates across the years haven't communicated with each other, but they independently arrive at the same set of conclusions. Some sort of an audacious vision is possible. What if those delegates that I have seen over the years again and again have got together, have a much larger discussion? What if the people in government authorities actually take off their ties in private capacity, discuss? What if those people go through at least 40 hours of really well-facilitated discussion of the kind these delegates go through? I do not think it is utopian whatsoever, that within 10 years, perhaps within a much shorter period of time, there is a political resolution. But the more we say that it is impossible, the farther away it becomes, and that is the difference between the cross-strait relations on the one hand, and the peace agreement reached in Northern Ireland, the end of the apartheid in South Africa, and all the other places which arguably are more or equally difficult than cross-strait relations. So we have to actually break those secret societies of conversation to have audacious ideas and let those secret societies of conversations interact with each other and make it a social movement.
0: We've been speaking to some of the delegates from this year's Straight Talk Berkeley Symposium along with the event's moderator, Tetsushi Arai. You can learn more about the group on their Facebook page. Straight Talk also has a local branch in Taipei. You can learn about them as well on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. This helps us bring you the kind of shows you want to hear and makes it easier for other people to discover the program. For ICRT, I'm Keith Menconi.